0: Uh, um, our main focus, as always, is on the redemptive frame. But we're going to talk about value propositions. So you're going to leave here with your brain having been worked today. So be prepared. Embrace it. If you need to go get some more coffee to get that engine rolling, uh, feel free to do that anytime. Um, Just some housekeeping. The bathrooms are right here outside, um, right across from the kitchen. Is there anything else, Brian, that they need to know? The Wi-Fi is up here. If you, need some, lower case. if you need some Wi-Fi, jump on the Wi-Fi. Okay, great. Um, Anything else? No, make yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Um, just as... Did it get shut off? I will tell while you're getting ready. Please. I was telling you earlier. So this is, a, this is like an administrative office for Providence, so this is where all About the service lines, but this is just really the initiative. I uh, 80% of our staff without seeing, seeing patients. So you'll see people come in and out and scrubs every once in a while and come and, come and go. And supplies and head out, head out to yeah. see a patient or something. But Help out and serve this people. Is where the scheduling and administrative and okay. compliance and all that happens. All the good stuff goes. Awesome. Okay, well, just as a reminder, Just as a reminder, let us love on you today. You don't have to take care of anybody here. If you feel very brave, you can shut off your phone and just relax, but just remember, this is a place of rest, of grace, of challenge and encouragement. Um, Just as a reminder, we're gonna look really quick at what is redemptive entrepreneurship. It's love and organizational action, following a pattern of creative restoration through sacrifice. And we integrate that across our leadership, across our strategy, across our operations and our venture's creation and its innovation and its funding. It's not a destination. Every one of us fail. Every organization fails. And we all fall short, but it's not an empty dream. Today is our first day on the strategic, or if you're a George W. fan, the strategic now I can't say it. The strategies access. Um, access. This is everything that a venture does to express mission, to serve our customers, to create value in the forms of products, services, programs, brands, narratives, even our digital and physical presence. Okay? This is how we are affecting people. We define strategy as its cultural impact. What does this organization do to the world? How does our work impact our customers, our stakeholders, our communities, and the, sec- the sectors in which we operate? It's our culture at large. How are we affecting people? What becomes more likely or less likely because this organization is here because of what you are bringing into the world? The redemptive strategy includes the ethical, but with a different in game, not just financial goals. We have a different authority. We know that ultimately we will answer to Jesus for how we ran our business. And we have a different motive. Our motive is to love and to serve. We purpose our work to push beyond the ethical um, because ethical doesn't have the power to fix or repair broken things. It's a good bar, but it's not a good ceiling. Okay, We want more. Pushing to the redemptive strategy changes everything. Our team talks a lot about this, you guys. In every one of our team meetings, somebody in our team is presenting the redemptive frame. We always practice this. We always want to be ready to talk about this um, because it changes everything. This is a rejection of empire. We're not trying to control our market. Okay? That's not our goal. Um, this is where we give up our perceived right of control. Okay? We're giving that up. And this is where, as Lance says, I love this quote, we cooperate with heaven in its invasion on earth. Okay, we're just stepping in and cooperating and joining Jesus in what he wants to do. The redemptive strategy is humanizing. This is the way we love our neighbors, even neighbors that we don't know. Um, In your readings this this week, um, for the uh, For Prophets, your focus was on products. Products, we develop services that genuinely benefit our customers, their communities, and the world. Products and services that help us to see ourselves and relate to our neighbors as whole persons, okay? Not just merely monetizable units of desire and consumption. So in the Zern house, when the TV is on, somebody is in charge of the clicker because I cannot stand commercials. They drive me crazy, and our TV is primarily on when it's sports are on, and football season is the worst, because there's commercials like, what, what, every minute, 30 seconds, right? It drives me insane, and our little six-year-old guy, he'll hit mute if it's his turn, and he'll go, commercials, they're the worst. <laughs> they're the worst. He said, they're always trying to take my money. So You're right. That's exactly what they're trying to do. That's it. So we're seeing people not as monetizable units of desire and consumption. We're not manipulating their most self-centered, lonely, addictive tendencies. Okay? We're not looking for ways to manipulate people. Um, this is being redemptive with our products means that we long to make what people want to want. Okay? They may not even know it, okay? but their heart desire, what do they want to want? In doing so, we will be less prone to lapse into treating our products as means to an end, just perpetuating our economic engine, okay? It's not just to get that money rolling. It's not just our, that's not our end game. For the nonprofits this week, your focus was on programs and proximity. How to collaborate with those you serve. This is resisting the temptation to shape our work from a comfortable distance, okay? Sometimes nonprofit leaders lack the patience and the discipline to get close to those that they serve. This is taking time to study the complexity of the issues that you're trying to address and to make time for mutual listening. I think that's the hardest one. Mutual listening, learning, and cultural understanding, okay? It takes intentionality. Uh, The redemptive mindset, as we grow in this, we will begin to see the flourishing of our customers as fundamental to our mission, fundamental to our success, not just a means of profitability, not not manipulating them to want more and more and more and more. Okay. Um, Also, I don't know if you guys have been diving into uh, humility. This is my quote for the week. This is your spiritual gut punch. Okay. If you're sitting there with Jesus going... I need to be gut-punched today. This is your book. Okay, so this is my quote for this month. Where the spirit of love is shed abroad in the heart, where the divine nature comes to full birth, where Christ, the meek and lowly Lamb of God, is truly formed within, there is given the power of a perfect love that forgets itself and finds its blessedness in in blessing others and bearing with them and honoring them, however, and bearing them and honoring them. So I was thinking this week, what does it mean to forget ourselves? Is that even possible, right? Can we separate and forget ourselves? And I was trying to think of a time if I've ever been able to do that. And I remembered, um, so at my wedding, hey, Grace, come on in, sweet. Um, at my wedding, at the end of the ceremony, um, I forgot that I was supposed to kiss Mike. <laughs> I forgot. How do you forget that? He, didn't he did not forget. <laughs> he did not forget, no. But we're facing the, the pastor, and I'm like, we need to turn around. We're getting ready to walk out. So we, I start to turn around. And you see on the video when the pastor goes, you may kiss your bride. And I go, oh, I turned and looked at him because I completely forgot about it. So it's possible to forget ourselves. It's possible to forget something that's totally ingrained in us. Um, being a redemptive entrepreneur is not a signpost for the kingdom saying, this is a Christian business. That's not what we're trying to do. It's a complete takeover. Okay? This is giving everything up. This is letting Jesus rewire every aspect of us and our venture. Please take some time, you guys, to dive into that microsite. Um, I went back this week and listened to all the videos that were on there. So much goodness. Um, and the books. Um, this month you had uh, Gino Wickman's Traction. You had Culture Bending, Bending Narratives. Um, if it's ever a financial issue for you to not be able to do that, um, I have Google Docs, of summaries of those books. I'd be more than happy to share them with you because this, there's some great, great content with there. It's well worth your time. So today, we get to hear from Brian about Providence and how Providence came to be. But first, we're going to look at the rule of life. So if you want to grab your rule of life books, if you don't have them, that's OK, because I have slides for you. Um, we're going to talk today about decision making. Okay, decision making. As entrepreneurs, we're all in positions of power, Okay, not just with our work. Okay, we have power with our friends. We have power with our family, with our churches and our neighborhood. Our decisions affect others. I want to say that again because I think we forget that. Our decisions affect others, even the seemingly small decisions. If we choose to live by God's word, we choose to practice what's called active dependence on God. Uh, we're on page 27, by the way. If that helps you in the rule of life active the sum God. So what does that look like? Read, do you want to read that first one for me? The baseline. Yep. As a baseline, we commit to daily prayer, and at times of major decisions, not proceeding until we have actively submitted our own desires fully to the will of God, and have inner peace about the decision. Okay. So baseline practice, that means the starting point. Okay, your baseline, like a starting line, if you're a track star like Clarissa, that's your starting line, okay? This is a base, baseline practice, and this is daily time with prayer, just talking to God. Um, something that's helped me is I set timers on my phone that go off a couple times a day that just remind me, because you know, I'm sure that this probably happened to you. You've gotten through the whole day, and you're like, did I even talk to Jesus throughout this day? And just think of all the decisions that I made. So whatever it takes to help you remember to do that. And then at major times of decisions, we don't proceed until we have actively submitted our own desires fully to the will of God. Um, Set time for focused prayer and don't proceed until we've given, we've been, we've received God's given peace. That's always a hard one, right? Grace and I've been talking about this this week is how do you know? How do you know? Just continuing to seek Jesus. Uh, The next one, the reach practice, or things that we aspire to. We're reaching towards this. Uh, Erin, you want to read this one? Sure do. As reach practices, many of us aspire to, one, fasting, abstaining from food with modifications as appropriate, given individual physical limitations for at least one mealtime, as a regular discipline, and especially at times when we need discernment and guidance. And number two, an ongoing, and some of you may have circled ongoing in your book, (laughs) great thank you so fasting abstaining from certain things when we need discernment uh, when mike and i were in college we were with um crew and the guys uh used this when we i went to the university of colorado so there's sometimes there's scantily clothed women running around campus there's a whole field where the girls would lay out Um, And one of our buddies had the top dorm in that room, that building that had a balcony and they would launch balloons, water balloons, just to taunt these girls. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, they were single. I'll tell you that. They were not dating anyone at the time, Um, but they coined a phrase, um, bounce your eyes, bro. Bounce your eyes, bro. So you see somebody then you bounce away from it to something else, okay? This to me is, I think of this when I think of fasting. Um, January is a time where a lot of people choose to fast things. Um, when I think about what I'm fasting, when I want to do that, I can bounce my eyes and go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to connect with you in this one second, this one second that I want that. Um, January, I'm fasting chocolate is one of my things. And it's so funny because I can have other sugar, I can have other things, but nothing satisfies and that is a perfect illustration of Jesus. Nothing satisfies me like he can. So that's good to incorporate that in any way that you can. Uh, and a mentor, just having somebody in your life that's a little bit further down the road, spiritually, um, professionally, uh, with families, whatever. Having anybody in your life that can speak truth, somebody who's willing to tell you the hard things. Okay? Those are great people to have in your world as necessary. Uh, creative slide, our, excuse me, creative aspirations. Grace, you want to read that one for us? We see creative approaches to removing obstacles to God's will in our life, such as extended times of solitude, and that could expose the counterfeit gods in our life, and developing forms of <coughs> examine specifically designed to assist us in saying yes and not to apparent opportunities. Great. Okay, so the first one is extended times of solitude. Removing the clutter from our lives physically or your minds, whatever you need to do to to get a clear mindset um, and find out what's really happening in our hearts. Uh, Some of you all met Matt Hagan. He spoke at our uh, December alumni executive sessions. If you haven't come to those yet, you need to come. Just one more piece of goodness. Um, Matt is um, the CEO of Water4, and Matt, I think this is his third, it might have been his fourth year. He goes every December, January, January, January to Colorado, and he stays in a yurt. I don't know if you're familiar with the yurt. It's essentially a tent with a fireplace in the middle. Um, He packs in oatmeal and beans, and that's all he eats for those, I think he's four or five days out there. He has to hike in several miles to even get there, um, Matt is a, definitely a buffet my body kind of guy. Um, he likes the hard things. But it's his time to shut down and connect with Jesus. Um, I'm more of a beach girl, so this would not be my choice, but uh, whatever it takes, right? Find your spot to shut down and find extended time of solitude. Um, the next reach practice is the um, examine practice. So this was created in 1522 by St. Ignatius. Um, it's a practice of soul care. Have you ever asked yourself if you're even caring for your soul? Do you ever think about your soul? Um, what would your car look like if you neglected it like you neglect your soul? Would all your red warning lights be on? Anybody? Warning lights would be on. Check engine would be lit. Yes. Um, on the table is a card um, that goes over the examined practice. Um, these are the things. This, this is um, Jeremy Kubacki mentioned this in January's um, Alumni Executive Session, which, if you're missing, you don't want to miss those. Um, but he talks about this. He does this every night. He has this card or a card similar um, on his nightstand, just quieting my heart, entering God's presence, gratitude, looking for signs that where God met you that day, how did God show you love today? Eyes to see, to see myself as He sees me. Uh, review the day. What confessions do I need to make? and okay? uh, We call the spiritually breathing, that I an- exhale the bad. Okay? When I exhale physically, I'm exhaling the carbon monoxide that would kill me. Okay? When I inhale, I'm inhaling the oxygen. I need it to survive. I'm inhaling the Holy Spirit. Okay? Just exhale, inhale. Very simple. And then looking forward tomorrow. Help me see where you're leading me. Okay? Uh, Jeremy said that he turns on the shower and he says, God, lead me to the people of peace today. Who do you want me to live on today? Okay. The last one is hope for abundance. Ms. Christie, you want to read that? We hope for abundance thanks to the supernatural provision that comes from obeying God rather than merely human <coughs> insight and peace and contentment at times of both apparent success and apparent failure. Mm. Peace and contentment. Who needs those today? Peace and contentment, truly. Um, I want to introduce you to my, oh, we're going to go back to this in just a second, but um, this is my family. Um, I shared a little bit with, about, with you about Isaac um, in our first session. He's on, on the left here. This is, well, you're right. This is Isaac. Um, he's my oldest. He's extremely generous. He is a fierce protector. He's a very passionate human next is my husband mike you'll get to meet him today he's my driveway dancing husband my husband comes out when i when i get home and he dances in our driveway he celebrates my arrival because he's a way better human than i am Um, next is jake he is our um, athlete our firefighter adrenaline junkie if there's not a chance of dying he's totally out because he's bored (laughs) It needs to die um, and then Case is our youngest, our six-year-old. He's the most grateful little human. You'll do the smallest thing for him, and he'll go, thank you. He's just very sweet, and he loves anything with wheels. Very exciting. Um, like you, we've had um, times where we've uh, had to make some hard decisions. Um, when Mike, Mike wanted to get married a year before I did, so I freaked out and went to Africa because that's logical, right? That's what people do. Um when we couldn't get pregnant, do we pursue in vitro? Do we pursue adoption? Major decision in my life. Um, where do we send our kids to school? For some reason, this was always a huge issue for us, especially with Isaac's challenges because nothing, absolutely nothing worked. Um, I've spent a lot of time, windshield time, praying to Jesus about school because, oh. um choosing to send Isaac to a boy's home um, when he was 13 because he was so violent and volatile and we just couldn't control him. When he came home from the boys' home, um, do we call the police every time he steals from us, every time he's physically violent? Uh, The police were at my house a lot. Um, Do we support Jake when he wants to ride bulls, which was the stupidest decision that I can ever think somebody wanted to do, but we did. I don't know if that's wise or not. Um, Do we become foster parents when DHS steps in with Case? And then later when they ask us to adopt, do we start the parenting loop over again at 50? Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired, it's hard. It's. I mean, it's a blessing, huge blessing, but I'm a lot more tired this time. Um, we were so close to the empty nest. Jake was just getting ready to graduate. We could see it, it was there. And homework sucks, even as a kindergartner. It just, <laughs> homework just sucks. Um, and then do we bail Isaac out? of jail, when he calls begging, bawling, begging, 15 times a day, do we choose to do that? And when he's out of prison after several years, do we allow him to even know where we live? Do we allow him, what does it look like to allow him back into our lives? Um, active dependence on God. All I know is that when Mike and I were making these decisions, we were actively seeking God. Actively. In the mundane in the mundane, fairly quiet moments, and in the scarier ones. Um, Were our decisions successful (laughs) or failures, it really largely depends on who you ask, Um, but I know that Mike and I were seeking Jesus like we never were before, for sure. Um, Seeking him in daily prayer, um, examining our hearts against his word, being willing to look weird or crazy um, in the eyes of the world when we step out with our choices. Um, we've second guessed ourselves a thousand times. And like you, I'm sure that you've experienced this. We've experienced judgment of our decisions as well on numerous occasions. Um, but that is where moving beyond this baseline practice, um, moving beyond the reach practice, moving beyond the creative, to me, the hope for abundance um, makes or breaks my mental health. Okay? Because I'm hoping, I'm hoping in Jesus that he can do something greater because I can't see a way out. I absolutely cannot see a way out, but he can. So daily prayer, um, fasting, talking to a mentor, extended times of solitude, and the hope in abundance. I'm going to go back to that hope in abundance side. That was my bad, Natanya, It's not you. Um, hope in abundance, the supernatural provision that comes from obeying God rather rather than human insight and peace and contentment at times of both apparent success and apparent failure. Okay, hoping for that abundance. Sorry about my slides, guys. This is a, I don't know if it's coined, a phrase that I coined, but I use it a lot. Control is an illusion. You don't have it. You absolutely do not have it. Here's what you can control, what's coming out of your mouth and the thoughts you think. That is it. That is all you can control. And these practices are going to help what's happening here and what's happening here, okay? I can control my hands, I control my mouth, and I control my brain, and that is it. Ultimately, I have to release it all to trust Jesus to show up and to do his thing, whether it looks like what I want it to or not. Uh, Gosh, I didn't grow up in a home that loved Jesus, um, so when I came to Christ, Mike didn't either. um, We prayed for our children before they were even born, we just we were so excited to break this cycle and and to have healthy families and people that would love Jesus and serve Jesus and no, that's not happening. It's not happening. But God is doing the groundwork in their lives. I fully and that is where I just have that hope in abundance. And I pray that every day. That's one of my prayers. uh, that's one of my gratitudes, that I thank Jesus. Thank you that you're doing the groundwork in their life. Surround them with people who love you. Cut out the calluses in their heart that are stopping them from seeking you. Surround them with people that love you that are just going to keep loving them and talking to them about truth because I can't control. I can't control, but I can choose to trust Jesus in that. Um, I have to daily decide to trust Jesus for Isaac's future. This is a huge challenge to me. What happens when he gets out again? This is his third time in prison, his third time. Every time he goes to prison, he loses everything. And by everything, I'm not just talking about where he was living, which typically is in his car. Um, But he comes out with no clothes, because they just got left with wherever he's crashing, no ID, absolutely nothing. So we have to start him over again, and pray that this halfway house will take him again, and pray that he'll stay there longer than a week. Because last time he met a girl in the parking lot and moved in with her within a week. At parking lot at Walmart so again I, what does it look like and what does it look like us for to support him what does that look like because if we don't help him no one will help him so there's some degree of help but there also has to be boundaries so again that that to me can stir up my stomach and at night just to be freaking out and that's where I have to have that hope for abundance I trust you Jesus I'm going to give him to you because I can control nothing um, I have this verse um, on the wall in my laundry room. and Why laundry room? Because, ladies, we spend some time there, right? Spend some time in the laundry room. Um, it's Isaiah 32:17. It says, The fruit of righteousness will be peace, and its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Because of what Jesus did for us, we are made righteous. And if we're leaning into Jesus, that will lead to peace, which will lead to a quiet heart and confident living. Who needs a quiet heart today? Okay, quiet heart for sure. Um, I want to give you a couple minutes. I'm going to give you two minutes. Um, Natani's going to turn on some music in a second, and we're just going to pray. I want you to just have a quiet moment just to think to yourself, where, where am I not quiet? What's causing, what's loud in your brain or in your heart right now? What's loud? What's drawing your eyes away from Jesus? Where do you need to bounce your eyes to him? bounce your eyes, bro. Where do you need to bounce your eyes? Um, And where am I not confident? Where can I not step out? And if you're not confident in that, then go back to those reach practices. Okay. Right now, just identify them. But those are places that you can go back and go, all right, Jesus, let's dive into this together. What does this look like for us to tackle this problem? So we're going to take two minutes and then Michael, will you close us in a minute? Okay. Thank you.